This is the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where you will learn how to tear down the mental barriers to success and health and build up a stronger you. In these podcasts, Dr. Tim Murphy offers you the tools for recovery and for surviving and thriving after trauma. There is a pathway to healing, and he does this through faith and psychology. Dr. Tim Murphy, bringing healing to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. This program is brought to you by MyPillow. Actually, MyPillow 2.0, I'm sure you've heard about it. It gives this wonderful night's sleep, and I must say I use it myself, and it's helped me out. And the reason pillows are important is sleep is important. That when it comes to dealing with trauma, when it struggles are in our life, you know you toss, you turn. Mike has offered that we can have a discount on MyPillow. All you have to do is use the promo code Dr. Tim. It's not case-sensitive, it's dr T-I-M. When you go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, enter promo code Dr. Tim. We're going to talk about the four stages of anger in children. And by the way, these also apply to adults, but maybe it's a little bit easier if you think we're just talking about the kids. First of all, let me explain what anger is. It's really a very powerful emotion. It's a powerful, it's, it's triggered by other negative emotions and it results in an attack that varies in its intensity. And it's not always appropriate. Let me, let me explain this. Anger has this power over a child or adults and makes other people their victims. You can have a very thoughtful child who gets irrational in the group of anger. That's how much anger can overtake their thinking. The, the rage will take over. It blinds them from experiencing positive emotions uh, or even being able to think at all. And by the way, when we experience this, it evokes a powerful response from us. The child who's screaming, threatening, doing all those things quickly makes our blood boil and we want to lash out back. We'll get into that. The second part, anger is triggered by something. Now, this is really important. It's not just a pure emotion that suddenly appears. And where this throws off many parents and others is when we think, where did that come from? When we respond just to the emotion, we may be missing the boat entirely because anger doesn't occur in a vacuum. There's all kinds of other things that come with it. It could be pain, it could be frustration, loneliness, boredom, fear, rejection, jealousy, disappointment, embarrassment. Well, that list goes on and on, and I'm just naming a few. But angry children oftentimes are not aware of these triggers. If you just ask them what they're feeling, they say, I'm mad, and they don't have a lot more depth of understanding beyond that. But learning to understand the triggers is going to be an important part of helping you understand how to deal with their anger. The third quality of anger itself is that it's an attack. It doesn't just sit there. Things like depression can simmer inside of us, but anger is this active emotion that can be directed at someone or something, or sometimes even at ourselves. But we know this, an angry child doesn't just sit back. He fights back. And the most obvious result takes the form of verbal threats or insults or sometimes physical violence. The other quality of anger is that it varies in its intensity. This is from the very mild, simmering, heated temperatures, or it could be screamed threats, overturned school desks, smashed windows, and yes, even pulling out weapons to be violent towards others. Its intensity has an impact upon the targets of those angers, but it also has an impact upon the child themselves, and it can be very frightening to kids when they lose their temper and don't know how to get control of this. 
By the way, it's also important to understand anger is not always appropriate. I've heard some psychologists and some parents say, well, if little Johnny or Susie has some anger, go ahead and let them vent it. This is absolutely wrong. There's no reason to think that this works. But what happens is, to understand this, it is sometimes okay to be angry, but it's never okay to be mean. And this is where it's important that parents and teachers and others have to step in and teach children that. And any time you've had a conversation with teachers and they say, I can't control my kids, probably behind that is someone else in that child's life that's letting them get away with it and maybe even thinks either they're intimidated by their child's anger or they're letting them vent. So now let's look at what happens when kids have anger. As I said, it doesn't just occur. There's really four stages of this. And here's the first stage, the buildup. The buildup of anger sets the stage upon which all the other anger will grow. Now, this is memories. This is unresolved conflicts. This is poor problem-solving skills. It could be stresses in the child's life from difficulties with parenting or their community. It's a whole host of things. But it's important to understand hours, days, and months of tensions can accumulate until the angry child no longer takes it. I mean, look at the instances where someone sees a child has come to school and burst out with an episode of violence towards other people, maybe using a weapon, maybe harming other people. And I hear time and time again people say, gee, he never showed signs like that before. Well, that's not true. It's just that people didn't know to ask questions or where to look. I like to think of this buildup as the image of picking up sticks of dynamite and piling them up. And every harm or hurt that's ever occurred in the child's life is put on this pile. And then one day, someone lights the fuse, and up it goes. So it is important to understand in our lives to always be encouraging children, encouraging them to talk about feelings, look into these things, look for little signs that the buildup is occurring. Believe me, it's much easier to intervene there early and often than it is to be dealing with a child who now has gone into the next stage. And here's part two, the spark. The spark is an action or thought that sets off the angry outburst. It can be big, it can be small, it can be a thought, it can be a feeling the child experiences, or it's an action by someone else. It can throw people off because they think, what is this little thing and why did it affect them so much? You know, we see it all the time. Kids will pinch and tease each other and do things. And we don't think it's a very big deal, but to that child it can be. Go back to my image of all the sticks of dynamite. A little match can make a big impact. It could be all those antagonisms, all those little things that take place. It could be the parent who said, turn off the TV, um, go to bed, put away your iPad. And for that child, what seems like a seemingly innocuous act to the parent or the teacher can be a spark that sets them off. Now, intervening at this point is important. When you see a spark occurring in the child before the blow-up occurs, it's really important at this point to... Remind yourself to stay calm. Maybe just listen to the child if they have a grief that's coming up. It could be taking a break, count to 10, take a walk, separate the kids, do whatever it is to help everybody at this point to minimize that spark. Remind them to think. A simple phrase like, hey, think about what you're doing, hold on, stop, can work wonders. We are often unaware when our own anger is blinding us. And as the spark occurs, that's when the blindness starts for them. 
Hey, another good technique is to label the correct feeling. Sometimes when a child starts to look angry and they start to be agitated, you can tell them another thing like, that must have been very disappointing, or I'm sorry to hear that happened to you, or I'm sorry you didn't get invited to the birthday party. That must be very upsetting. But you don't have to label it as anger. By the way, also check for misunderstanding at this point. Sometimes a child may have overheard something, or they're, they're jumping to conclusions, and the best thing you can do is find out, whoa, whoa, hold on, let's, let's get the facts on this. Sometimes, quite frankly, it also helps just to distract a child. Hey, let's go outside. Let's do this. Let's think about something else. Humor, by the way, is a good thing at this point. If you're a parent who has some skills at being able to make them laugh, not in a way that's belittling, but in a way that brings humor into the situation to diffuse the anger, this is a good time to use it. Okay, stage three. This is the explosion. And this is the stage we always focus on and we do not forget. This is the one that gets all the attention, the one when the most meanness, aggression, and sometimes violence comes to light. This is when... Feelings get hurt, property gets damaged, and provokes parents to lose their tempers and causes all the peacemaking efforts to come crashing down. I don't even have to describe this stage. You know what it looks like. But there are things to do at this time to intervene. What you shouldn't do is scream back at the child, make massive threats you'll never enforce, or lash out in your own way with insults. Instead, let me recommend this. Take a deep breath, slow, deep. Speak in a calm, controlled, direct voice. Avoid shouting matches. Avoid confrontational or insulting phrases. Another thing you want to do is don't negotiate with threats. Manipulative children who use anger in their way to bargain or to use threats such as, you better let me go outside or or else, or don't hide those car keys because I'm going to find them or I'm going to kill you if you don't give it to me. This is not the place to negotiate. You can even say, we'll talk about this later, but you've got to calm down. And sometimes the best way to handle explosion is let the natural consequences happen. If your child decides to stomp off, the best course may be let them stomp off. Um, Maybe other people, they're going to see they're embarrassed by witnessing the tantrum. Maybe they're not going to have their dessert or their meal or whatever it might be. But let the consequences happen sometimes. Another thing is to restate the rules of discipline. Remind the child that if they continue to blast you with mean words, it's going to cost them time. So get control. Say you want to help them. Show respect is another thing, too. Now, this is tough to do when someone is attacking with words or other things. And you can use some limit phrases with them. But it's also important, I go back to this point over and over, do not attack or try and hurt them in return. It's going to provoke more. Another thing that happens when kids start to explode is they may, they may say something like, you just never listen to me. Won't you just listen for a minute? Well, you know what? This might be the ideal time to do just that. And, and don't forget, sometimes you got to cool off yourself. If you find yourself really upset, it's okay to say, I need to calm down right now, so I'm going to walk away, but I want to come back. I want to hear what you have to say. Those are a number of things you can do in the explosion stage. But stage four is really important. This is the aftermath, and this is the one that people usually forget. Because after all, if the child's now calmed down, you want to let sleeping dogs lie. But while the explosion stage gets all the attention, what follows is the most important stage. This is when parents and kids, 
or adults that matter, who are now calm, can sit down and talk it through. Whether it's been a minor skirmish or a major battle, there's going to be wounded feelings and other injuries to address. But the idea is you got to take care of them in this calmer stage. Time and time again, I've seen so many people say, well, I know we had this screaming match and all these insults last night, but I'm just going to let it go. I don't want to bring it up again. That's not good advice. I've seen it so many times. So here's the thing to do. Don't ignore the problem. Just because the explosion is over, it doesn't mean the problem is solved. If something was big enough to lead to one explosion, it's big enough to acquire your help. Because after all, what happens in the, in, the, in the aftermath is if you don't take care of it, that's the buildup for the next explosion. Letting it slide doesn't teach that anger doesn't matter. If you're not sure what to do or the explosion was particularly severe, you can get help. Get a counselor to help talk you through that. And this is where you want to debrief to say, hey, we need to go over this because I want to find out what happened. You were really angry and neither of us could think at that time. Can we talk now? Now, think of this like a videotape replay, but keep away the insults and the digs, and otherwise it becomes another trigger for the future. The child starts to say something, you're trying to talk calm, they say, see, that's just what I mean, you were wrong, and you're not going to get anywhere with that. The idea is debrief with calmness and objectivity as much as you can. Look, this is a teachable moment. As minor as the incident may seem, and as much as you might like to move on, step back to review even the minor ones and dissect it calmly, briefly. The small ones are worth the review because it teaches a child how you can work through things when things are calmer, and you're going to need that skill set when things are bigger. Now, sometimes families even hold a family meeting to solve the problem. You have a number of people involved. They're all giving their input, and that's helpful too. By the way, it's also important to note how you have to follow through on discipline. Even if you worked out the deal with whatever set off the anger, you may still need to follow through. Remember, it's okay to be angry, but it's never okay to be mean. And if your child was mean-spirited, he or she may need to be disciplined. Likewise, if you acted meanly, you need to address this with your child. If the house rules hold up that everyone has to pay a fine each time someone mean says something, well, you got to pay the fine too. If you blurted out a stupid or absurd discipline while angry, think it over. Don't say things like, I'm going to throw away all your toys. No, if you made a mistake, admit it, retract it, so that you can all move on. And of course, a couple other things are keep loving your child. That's what kids want. And they think through all this anger, they're trying to control a situation where they do not feel love. So apologize if you need to, and forgive where you need to as well. These are healthy things that keep a family strong. But don't continue to dwell on thinking the child evil or bad with what they do. This takes work. And when you have an angry child, it's going to take a lot of work. But believe me, taking these steps in the meantime are going to be worth it. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. Thank you for listening. And by the way, if you want more information on how to handle anger in children, I wrote a book about it. It's called The Angry Child Regaining Control When Your Child Is Out of Control. And if you want to send me some messages or give me some advice or some questions, look at my website, drtimmurphy.com. That's D-R-T-I-M-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to being with you next time.